Warning, Supernatural The Crossroads contains adult language and discussions. If you're easily offended, do not continue to listen. to another episode of Supernatural The Crossroads, the Winchester edition. We are here talking about season one, episode three, Your Lost Little Girl, which is something that uh, applies to me sometimes when I'm walking around at night. I get lost. You're a lost little girl? Yes, yes, in some seedy parts of town. That sounds like a fantasy. Are you like you're trying yeah, to write like, currently? He's like, I'm lost and I'm waiting for someone to hey, t- touch my bussy. Hey, like, mister, whoa. I'm a lost little girl. Come here and touch my bussy. Pull okay. on my pigtails. Why is Mickey Mouse involved? Oh, oh, oh I don't know. I like little girls, huh? Well, I'm 12. Oh my god. Oh, that went wow, out of hand. That, was that zero got out of hand really quick. Listen, blame the person who came with, up with this title. I mean, you're a lost little so, girl. It already does honestly, sound a little creepy. Honestly, I, that's kind of where my first question was with this episode was, what is that title and yeah. how is it relevant? Robbie Johnson's like, oh, yeah, you're lost. Little oh, girl. He's Batman Jesus. now? You're a lost. <laughs> I was trying to sound like Ken Kenef. <laughs> Sounded like Batman. I was like, like, oh. like pervy Rorschach. Yeah. Not, All right. I'm not locked up in here with you. You're oh, locked Jesus up in here with me. Christ. You're a lost little girl, aren't you? Yeah, come here. Come here and pull up my pigtails. Uh, wait, why does he have pigtails? Pull the trigger. <laughs> Where's the trigger? Oh, that's, that's Batman. All yeah, right. well, you know, we're in the DC universe. It's fine. This is how you know we're starting late because it's already gone off yeah. the fucking rails. All right. I am your host. I probably shouldn't say my name at this point to be associated with this episode. But Thomas Cowley joined with me as always is Ryan Denton. Son of a bitch. And Michael Flores. Hello. And we're talking about the third episode out of 13 which I still am trying to remember because it, it came into my own notes later where I was like, why is this happening now? This should be a mid-season finale. Oh, wait. <laughs> we don't have that many. Episode six, six or seven? I guess six or seven because yeah. we don't really have six that and many. A half. It won't follow the same Halfway through system six. we're used to, yeah. I guess. It'll be so a little strange. It'll be fine. We'll see what happens with that. When Azazel shows up. But we have uh, an episode that is far from perfect, but was, I think we can all agree here, an improvement from last week's yes. episode. Yeah, yeah, sure. The narrative intent, the entire idea of this one was a lot more clear. It had allusions to the bigger story going on, and it seemed to have a little bit more effort put in towards advancing the characterization not only of John and Mary and their relationship, but some of the side characters, specifically Lotta, and I think more of a dark foreshadowing of Ada potentially moving forward. And I think all of that is really some of the stuff that we were missing from last week. It felt like a lot of the Scooby gang was along for the ride last week and just was there. And while this still had a few of those elements, it was better utilized. I would say. Yeah. I would agree with that. So it still is a little bit of falling into old supernatural habits 
And I think we're just going to get that. It's just and I, I think there's a few things, though, that they are making the... Not stereotypical, but the 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 common mistake of any spinoff is, well, you've watched the previous show. Instead of trust, instead of building on no audience, they're trusting that they have an existing audience and just assuming that people know things. Like, can you imagine if they did that in porn? You've jerked you've watched, off before. You've watched uh, the episode on page five. <laughs> You've well, seen what happens that with this because pizza. pornography of the 60s and 70s was oh, an entire movie. That's true. That's true. You know, it was actually considered art in some states. Caligula. Yes. And then what do they do? They have no plot. Now the it goes pizza straight man. to sex. Great to fucking. But technically, that's is what they do. Oh, you guys know what comes before and after. <laughs> oh, <laughs> and during. Us. Or sometimes not at all. I don't know. There's a few things, though, that stuck if out to you. me. <laughs> Where I was like, that is is a mistake. I feel, and I'll, I, maybe it's just me. I want to ask you guys what your thoughts are. We'll I get have, to that. I here actually in a have something too that I want to I want to bring up a little bit later. That's kind of been bugging me. Yeah. Um. So I, I, it's interesting. You know, it's it's weird when I have. I actually wrote something down. Wow. Oh, wow. Yes. What is this crude utensil? Well, I didn't write it. I actually don't have my notes on my phone. Oh, there he is. He's all fighting the, the impulse to write. Like, He's no. all, what is this? I cannot what do, is this? I cannot do my homework. What is this? <laughs> I like to come in here and wing it. What the hell? So a few of the talking points for us today. Uh, one reason this episode worked better than last, I think, is that a lot of it did revolve around John and Mary and their relationship. Yeah. Whether or not some of that matched up or or worked is a question i want to ask the room but i think fundamentally that was a better step to take than what we had seen last week because that was the concept that they sold this us. Is exactly it's what we were yeah. got in don't, line don't for. bait and switch us yeah don't master bait us yeah. and switch us to the other hand the other aspects were the monster this episode was more or less a writing device which is Pretty stereotypical of the show, not necessarily a, that's a not negative. A, that's, that's not a negative. That's a supernatural thing. Yeah. Uh, we had a little bit of John's future personality, I think, bleed through his obsessive nature in this case as it pertains to Mary in this episode. A little bit of a highlight on that. And potentially building out further his backstory, some of his connection to his father, a previous relationship what that meant for him and how that's changed his viewpoint of things moving forward. And we've also have to no one's surprise that the Akrita have t done the supernatural go-to move, taken human form and are walking among us. <sighs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler. And that what seems to be the Akrita are collecting monster souls is the current Theory air quotes. I mean, what else can that be? Hypothesis. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and since we're on the point of the accrete, I'm gonna go ahead and bring up my my gripe. Okay. Okay. Wow. Uh, I'm, right I'm just gonna bring. Right I, right I want to bring it up right now because it's no it's, foreplay. All right. Nope. I'm gonna put we, it. In we dry. have an actual segment for that. Eh, I'm gonna do it now. Just gonna because I want to know what your guys' take on this, and I'm gonna forget if I don't fucking do it now. <laughs> um, one of the things that's been bugging me, and and just going back and and thinking supernatural. Mm -hmm. Let's just say we'll, we'll put monster A is an overarching big monster, right? And it's it's gonna fuck us the entire season. Sam indeed would have spent nineteen hours in the library figuring out what the fuck it is, what it's about, where it's from, how to kill it, or are we just gonna be okay 
with the fact that the characters in this show are not really trying to learn about the Akrita. They're just like, okay, so the Akrita are coming to kill us. And then it's being done off screen. Yeah. I just don't, I just, <sighs> I don't know. I, I, cause that's what Ada basically, yeah. she's the one who's solving all the, I mean, technically if you, Jesus, I wasn't going to get into this either, but this is why yeah. I wanted to put it at the end. But see what's happening. What's yeah, happening just... is that the, um, it seems like John and Mary are doing nothing. Yeah, yeah, they're just set they're pieces. They're the main characters, and Ada and Carlos La and Latita. What's her name? Latika, like a Hakalukalaka. It seems like Lakita and Lakita. What the Latika? Her name is Latika. I don't really give a fuck who she is. Honestly, they give her a nickname, which there were several nicknames in this, which I don't agree with. Latika and Ada seem to be doing all the real heavy lifting, and John and Mary are just set pieces. They're there. So, to your point, how were the Akrita, you know, dealt with in this episode within the opening 10 minutes? Yeah. It was Ada off screen. She figured things out. She then relays the information to Mary and John, and then they move forward with the rest of the story. It's just, it's, it's just, it's, I don't necessarily think that's a, a deal breaker. Isn't it kind of lazy? My problem with it is camera type of things. Here's the problem with it, dude. The problem, in my opinion, the problem with it is that this is your traditional A and B storyline, mm-hmm. but they are not interwoven in any way. They are completely isolated. Everything that happens with John and Mary is separate and has nothing to do with everything that's happening with Ada and Carlos and the Akrita hunt. Only because of the end scene do we know that the two are tied in any way. Mm. And that's more circumstantial. That's true, yeah. And there's a clue of like, wow, these monsters are really random and have to do with our own personal lineages. Well, that's something anyway. we always applauded the writers on Supernatural for doing. Correct. When it came to their parallel narratives, how they woven would have together they things were. going on, but at the end, you always bring it together. You have you to connect them yeah. and there not is- have separate storylines that don't really... Connect and this episode yeah, has none of that connectivity, other than what's happening with the villain, yeah, or aka the, I the guess myth C arc story. Arguably, is what's connected the myth arc, but not for anything that our characters know or experience. It's I, simply I there. Just, mm-hmm. I just had a problem. Like I guess it, it, it's just bugging me that they. This is supposed to be an overarching villain. Well, we'll get into that. But a yeah, bit more. I just I, I had to bring it up because I was just curious what you guys thought. Yeah. Well, b- before we get into the main chunk of the discussion one more time we're going to give a little bit of a reminder about our new format uh, obviously a lot has changed both with the network and television and costs of literally everything including food and water uh, in this world today so we're doing things a little bit differently for this show for you old school listeners these changes will be a bit of a surprise for you but outside of this episode we are not going to go beyond the hour mark the 55 minute to hour mark depending on how long it takes me to finish a sentence In that discussion, we will keep it to the main episode discussion, our analysis, and keep it to the main aspects. What the narrative built, our review and rating, the major character moments and moving forward, all of that will be within the main discussion episode. And then after that, if there's more that we need to discuss or things that didn't quite fit with the main discussion, that'll bleed into a second hour or second episode, depending on the amount of content, that will be available on our Patreon page. So a brief rundown, hour one, complete discussion, focus on the analysis of the episode, OG listeners and people familiar with this format. It'll include writing, directing, myth arc, story, characters, etc. Hour two, 
more random theories, thoughts on recent Winchester or Supernatural news, casting announcements, our own gripes or separate thoughts that didn't fit into the discussion. And you can find that on patreon.com slash Digital for less than the price of coffee a month. So hopefully you guys are interested enough to go and listen to that. But for now, let's get into the regular discussion. Ryan, do you have the synopsis for us? Please? I do. A Hindu demon abducts two of Mary's neighbor children. Nate. Mm. That's bad. <laughs> and John and Mary. Two of Mary's neighbors. Yeah, that's just, just so bad. Um, and John and Mary look for a way to bring them back and destroy the demon. You could just honestly say a Hindu demon abducts two of uh, children that Mary looks Mary looks at two children in Mary's and, town, two yeah, of it, her neighbors, and John and Mary look for a way to bring them back and destroy the. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, anyways, this yeah, was directed. Right. Yeah, whatever. You know, I'm a, I'm a professional. Synopsis. Ryan's always been the critic of the synapses. Yes. That's just well, how he is. Yes. The yes. synapsize. Synapsi. Yes, that's the way. Yep, yep. Uh, directed by Claudia Yarmi and written by Gabriel Alejandro Garza. All right. So for this episode, this is a new writer to Supernatural. So. It'll be our first taste of their ability and what they've done with the property. The monster of this episode, let's let's get the, I would say, the coolest part or the most supernatural-y part out of the way, was, as we said earlier, more or less a writing device for the idea that Mary needs to let go of her past, of her fear for the future, of what she is clinging to when there's nothing else her, her raft in the storm, the search for her father. Correct. Yeah. And in order to move on for a better, healthier relationships in order to be her own person, she needs to disconnect from the legacy of her father. And in true, I think Winchester fashion, that's a, a, a typical Winchester coming of age moment. She's not a Winchester yet, I guess, but it's still, similar there she has a hard time giving up on that she has a hard time on giving up on family on the idea of being her own person it's it's very much how mary and dean are similar that's all she knows that's all she's done she doesn't really think of a world outside of hunting and has a hard time even fathoming that and i think that's something that back in seasons five and particularly six dean had a really hard time believing could ever be possible for him and we see that here, like the, the first signs of that in Mary's personality. But is that a question of obsession or is that a question of just literally being raised without any other possibility in her wheelhouse? Or is that the point in many ways that she is afraid to let go because she has nothing else? Well, and I think that's that's a that's a standard thing for any person who doesn't have any hobbies, doesn't have anything else. All they have is this one thing that literally is the bookends of their life. And when you start thinking it like it's hard to let something go and you you'd have no idea what you're going to do. Well, and this is purposely drawing a parallel between Sam and Dean and yeah. their inability to let each other go, something that Gabriel slash the trickster warned them about and something that caused Billy the Reaper to get involved in, in an attempt to restore yeah. the very balance of the universe to people's inability I mean, to let go. Thomas, there's a song about it. There's a song about letting go. You're quoting frozen right now. <laughs> yeah. Do you want to build a snowman? God damn it. That's the what? song. Yeah. That was the one. Uh, no, I, 
I just, I, I think it's, it's, it is fitting. It is very fitting for Mary because what we see with in supernatural with, you know, what we know of Mary before she comes back. And then when she does come back, it's, it's very fitting to see this character, this Mary uh, Campbell so focused on what she does and almost to the point where she doesn't want to let it go because it's all she knows. It's all she's ever done. So I, I actually like this aspect of, of why the, you know, of her almost, I guess, obsession would be the right mm -hmm. word. Um, I do like this because it is very fitting for the character. Well, my, uh, the question, I think the bigger question for the show as a whole is what is this going to be utilized for within the world of Supernatural? Will they use Mary's search for her father, for Sam, uh, Samuel, I guess, to strengthen the idea that the Winchesters themselves, this family in particular, defies the laws of the universe? And in doing so, draw the ire of the very God who created them? Is this, is this the, the seed that leads into Sam and Dean's defying Chuck and, and why he's so obsessed with them. Or what I fear is this simply a narrative device similar to the original show. Yeah. Because the way I was, what, what level way, are we thinking about this? Yeah. If they were doing this correctly, then yes, this is more than just simply plot motivation for a specific episode because posing a question like should you let go of your search for your father should you let go of this monster life those are big questions as it pertains to the winchester family and i'm and i'm going to throw the campbells in there as well just for the sake of argument i mean this is something that's been utilized time and time again throughout the entire run of supernatural the idea that sam and dean can't let go of each other. They're unwilling to let go. And mm -hmm. it created so much intergalactic cosmological problems that yes, you are right. It drew the attention of God. That's why he became obsessed with them and wanted them to be a part of his story. That's why Billy the Reaper got involved. So if you're asking basic questions that were used as the very foundation of who Sam and Dean are as individuals, then it needs to mean something. It needs to mean more than just simply it needs to be used simply more than just simply as a way to move this episode forward. Because if you even go to, to the point and the distance of creating a monster that you only can defeat and escape by letting go using those that metaphor, then it has to mean something in the bigger when it comes to the bigger of picture of the story. Otherwise, it just feels weird that you're posing questions for a singular episode that are big supernatural questions. And this is one of those things where I get a little bit concerned because it, it is a little too early to tell. But there's not a lot there that leads me to think. Okay, let me let me bring it to a supernatural comparison. I remember watching season eight which is how we actually started doing this entire show. Mm -hmm. I've been watching the show the whole time and I got to season eight and I had a conversation with you mm -hmm. because I was like, this feels like such a jarring disconnect from where things ended at the end of seven. And why is Sam fucking around with his dog and this girl <laughs> and what the hell happened to Dean? And he's in his, what's going on with Castile. It felt like so random 
that it was simply plot restructuring. Yes. But I remember when they finally got back to John's journal, the trials and moving us towards something that felt like a greater part of the show that felt like a natural progression of their exploits. And that's when I was like, okay, we're back on track. This is too early to really tell, but I fear that this, the concept of I'm looking for my dad is simply plucked from the pilot of the original show and used here in a slightly different flavor to drive the weekly plot A, B to, to occur rather than asking themselves, if this is a true prequel, how does this serve, support, and enhance the narrative of the original show and the world of this IP as a whole. Mm-hmm. And I'm afraid that's not quite there because I mean, in the very beginning of this episode, they've been hunting together and looking for clues for how long, let's say weeks, let's say months. Only now does Mary say, well, I haven't talked to my dad in a long time. And last time we fought, so he doesn't even know I'm really looking for him. I feel like that's something that should have been mentioned before they drove all around God's creation, trying to find clues under the guise that he's leaving clues for her. When now she says we've never, we haven't even talked because the last time we did it was a fight. Why would he think she's looking for him then? John's original departure from Dean and leaving clues behind was deliberate because he was looking for answers to the yellow eyes to Sam, to Mary, to all of the puzzle pieces that would eventually be revealed in season five. In So him leaving clues, voicemails, coordinates, things like that, deliberately pushed them in a direction so that they could do things and hit by himself time. They were trying to throw off knew, the demons that were following He was them. throwing off yes. demons. He needed the distraction, and he knew where they were and what they were doing for the most part. In the situation that's been displayed here, Sam is both estranged from his daughter yet leaving clues for her mary is both hunting for her dad yet hasn't spoken to him and doesn't want to be a hunter it i just but that does feel a bit consistent though with the mary winchester we learn about later because we do know that she doesn't necessarily want to be a part of the hunting lifestyle although we do find out during season 12 or season 13 i forget which Mm -hmm. season it was that she still ended up going and hunting behind John Winchester's back because it was just a part of her. It was part of her DNA and it was harder to stop than she had originally thought it would be. So her wanting a different life for her family and for herself is consistent with, with who she becomes. Then why look for her dad? Because she probably wants to find her dad. I mean, if you, yeah. if, but, but if that, you have that, her lost that's the one to find But him. that's the point that Ada make. Ada made a point and said, maybe your father doesn't want to be found because he's giving you what you asked for was for you to just not hunt. So is this just trying to build on that idea? I feel like it's just paralleling Sam, which doesn't yeah. quite make sense because yeah. Mary, they've already established that Mary and Dean are, we're, we're, are, were yes, the ones that were like, the same. And from what we've seen in the yeah. show, John at this age is acting far more like Sam. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, it, it, it's, it's like it's you early. said, it's still it's early episodes. on. So we're not quite sure what they're doing and whether or not they're trying to find their feet. And we do got to remember, I'm, I'm not going to give them too many passes. Those days are done, but <laughs> at the same time, on at, that the same, same time. at the same time, though, you got to remember Kripke, you know, worked on his first season for 10 years. Right. 
prior to shooting. So he, he knew what he was doing within that first season and the general direction he wanted to take his story. Obviously he didn't have everything mapped out for five years, but he had a general direction. I would say season one, at least. Yeah. He definitely yeah. knew what he wanted to do with that first season. Whereas here they may not know exactly what the overall story is going to look like. You know, I, I don't think that's necessarily a justification, a valid justification, but it, it is. It might be a reason, a but not an excuse. Yeah, there you go. It's the reason. Yeah. It's not an excuse. I mean, you're dealing for with it. 13 episodes. It's not that hard to come up with a beginning and an end. I mean, that's how you should start all your stories, in my opinion. Yeah. Come up with beginning, come up with the direction that your ending point, and then start fleshing out the middle. Yeah. Agreed. At I least for say, me, that's an easy way of doing it. I will say that I, I thought they did a good job with Mary showing those signs that would be passed down, whether genetically or by nurture versus nature to Dean and Sam of the obsession with the lifestyle mm -hmm. with the obsession or the inability to, but not betray disobey one's father, which is a parallel for that's just a supernatural thing. That's a, that's a supernatural thing. I liked that. I think that was a good harken back to those, early concepts that we see in season one yeah. that come to paramount issue in season five. So I liked that. It does fit. And I do think they did a good job with, okay, let me say I'm torn on John in this episode. I thought the obsession showing it's, it's first little nefarious tendrils coming mm -hmm. from him as a person when it comes to Mary was good we see how he becomes obsessed with her, how not, not exactly possessive, but no, but you could see that there's, there's an emotional issue there. Yeah. When you act like that with someone you just met. Yeah. That was the Which, weird see, part to me. To that's me. not weird because there are people with emotional issues that do find attachments really quick. And when you're looking at a guy who's been abandoned by his father, at mm -hmm. least he grew up thinking Believing that, that yeah. until recently you're going to have those types of abandonment issues. And when the person that's his focal point right now in his life, which is Mary goes missing and he feels like he's in a loser. I feel like it does warrant that type of obsession, especially if they're trying to foreshadow who John ends up becoming, who is a very obsessed individual. Yeah. Especially when it comes to Mary's death, which would drive him literally to his own. Um, Cause I, I, I like that it's there. Because we've said that we need some clues that this is the John that we yes. know. Yes, we've yeah, we keep telling and, and maybe this is me, but it felt a little too soon to be no, this I, obsessive. And and I have you seen Mary? <laughs> I, I would be obsessed with her too. Now I will fully admit, I have been told I, I will fully admit I know my own character flaw is that I take a lot longer to come the to fuck? the yes, to come to the same level of to penetrate. <laughs> Why is it just sex? <laughs> It takes me a lot longer to get to the same emotional investment level as no, other people it, who is, get there a lot quicker. So for me, this felt more like he should be this obsessive. I'm going to risk my life and everything by jumping into this in more of a mid-season finale. Because I feel like the stakes of him knowing her are not quite high enough to justify throw your entire life away on a question mark maybe. But if it... If it had been built a little bit more and this was the stakes in the accreta and all of this is really ratcheted up and it's a mid-season finale feel, then I would buy that John at this point, after so many months, 
would be at that level of investment. Right now, it feels like I've known they've known each other for as much as we have three weeks. Look, dude, here's here's the thing. This is this is one of the things that I had kind of a problem with was the fact that homie hasn't even tapped it yet. And he's like, I'm, you know, right. He hasn't hit it yet. And the thing is, like, he's scared to ask her to go to a movie. The motherfucker hasn't hit it. And this yet, is okay? the 70s, people. Like, let's keep that in everybody mind. Everybody was fucking in the Everyone's 70s, dude. Like, fucking. So what kills me is that the, the thing is, like, I feel like for him to risk his life and go into a burlap sack and, and or at least, like, attempt to try yeah. to do that, there should be a little bit more of like her reciprocating the fact that she's interested in him, which is really weird. Yeah. So episode. I don't mind. I, I do not mind the obsessive over Mary. Mm-hmm. If Mary was reciprocating that back to him. And I think that's the thing that kind of weirds me out. It's, it's almost a, just a small smidge creepy. I think she was in the first two episodes. She was, wasn't in this. She, they were being friendly with each other and there was some chemistry there. And then suddenly in this episode, she becomes asexual and yeah. she's all about searching. Yeah. Well, that was the weirdest thing. Like, cause, cause I think you're right. I think, and maybe this is just the writing. And this is one of those things, one of two things where I feel that they expect us to already know the story of John and Mary yes. rather than tell it well in their own fucking show yeah which is a big i feel mistake because you have a people or you should be thinking about people who have never watched supernatural the thing is that you should be planning this as if nobody knows their star-crossed lovers story but instead you're like oh well they know that they are in love it'll be fine kind of thing because mary and him do have a little bit of a maybe maybe he's made some coy gestures and she's more like business before pleasure kind of person, but it's, it's there. And in this he's obsessive level, going to throw away his life. She has zero care for him or anyone else as she risks her life for her neighbor's kids, which on one hand, the saving people hunting things, I could see Dean doing that, but she has zero like emotional intelligence when it comes to John. And he's the one who helps her let go. They have this really, perhaps maybe the best moment in the show moment where he's talking about how she needs to let go and it's not, he needs to, she needs to find out who she is and she's struggling with that, but she almost in a way has to trust him in order to make the decision. She has to trust that what he's saying is true or see some merit in what he said. And then some guy shows up at the movie theater that Mary goes to herself which yes. also contradicts the opening scene of where she says, I'm not going to go to the movies. I'm working still. So is this a sign? Okay. Now she's trying to be her own person. So she goes to the movies by herself. Why is this guy who looks like a, like a photocopy, you know, it gets like deteriorated. Then as you continue to photocopy it of the John, she was hanging out with almost down to the attire and the jacket. I thought it was John. At like, first, I, I was like, "Oh, John." And, so and she goes. Wife. She goes to asexual to interested in someone else entirely, and there's no pushing against. Or maybe she's more into you know, if I get too close to John, emotions hurt, much like Dean. So I'm just gonna have frivolous sex with somebody instead, and that's where this guy comes into here's, play. None of that. Here's the thing that bugs me about this, and I I talked to Mike about this a little bit before the show. The thing I have a problem with is that we know how this ends, right? Okay, so. What bugs me is that they're forcing these love connections or these frivolous sex things on Mary 
on, you know, John has the girl that he proposed to marry and she gives a ring back. Like they, they, they're forcing these things in when we know how this ends. So it really kind of bugs me where it's not like, Hey, shouldn't we be building John and Mary's relationship here? Uh, even in the first couple episodes of like how they fall in love, how they actually, you know, want to be together instead of no, she goes into season movie. I legitimately, I was not, re I was watching and I thought it was John with her. I was like, oh, cool. This is like well, their first date, air quotes. You know what I mean? Like, and I was like, oh, that'd be cool to see. No, it's some rando dude, number seven, that walks up that's wearing basically John's coat. And we, he's and wearing John's coat. I don't even think they bought a second coat. No, they were like, oh, damn. Hey, uh, Jensen, I know you kept that. <laughs> we're going to need that back. <laughs> okay, so you guys, one you guys are talking on things that actually is going to happen. According to Robbie Thompson, and to me, just I'm going to preface this really fast. Okay. I hate when they create melodrama. I don't like it. For no reason other than to waste time and to stagger out the plot. Mm -hmm. It kind of sucks. You can feel the strategy well, behind it, it, the decisions. Like you understand why they're doing it. Not because they're trying to truly make this melodrama. It's because they're trying to stagger out how much they give us. Now, now let me ask you this, Mike, to, to, to kind of. Doesn't it make you feel like they think we're stupid when they do that? No, it just feels like they're they, wasting everyone's time. Yeah. My problem is, and this is how a lot of CW shows do this. And it's my biggest complaint. The reason why we quit covering a lot of the DC shows, because all of them handled relationships in a very immature fashion. I would watch shows, grown people acting like they are 12 years old and they've never had a relationship before. It feels yeah. like people in the writing room have never experienced a real relationship. And do you like me or do you like, like me? Yes. It feels like that. <laughs> exactly. Like what Thomas just said. That's exactly how a lot of the relationships feel Eighth on the CW. Shit. Yeah. Now, according to Robbie Thompson, he says the Winchesters, Mary and John's love story won't be easy. And he explains that the road ahead for John and Mary will get even more romantically complicated. And he then mentions that Betty, which is John's former girlfriend, former fiance, fiance, as well as Kyle, which apparently is the name of the guy, Some guy. at the Named will, Kyle. will be, will <laughs> be coming in and out of the season. So that's the point of the ending. The ending is that she's going to now suddenly find some type of appeal with this guy to this guy, even though he's a John Winchester stand-in, she he looks just like he looks John. Exactly the second scene. Like at least make him blonde. So he says, when we first talked about the show, we asked, "What are the things that we can do to mess with expectations, and also just play, you know, the history of what these kids' lives were?" So then we they watched the Last Jedi for twenty-four hours straight. They weren't just sitting at home every Friday night when there wasn't a monster case. What was like life like for them? That's where Kyle and Betty came in very early in the process. We just started talking about what is the world that John left behind and what is the world that Mary has been ignoring and longing for. And those two characters stepped very quickly into the picture. Yeah, that feels like a typical CW melodrama. Why do we need to complicate a relationship that we already know happens? But here's the Th thing, dude. Wasn't it supposed to be this ultimate love? Star-crossed. Th this was Romeo and Juliet level like, shit. Like love at first sight type yes. of thing. Yes. Isn't that what we were sold That's on for we we sold years? On. Yes. But here but here's the thing too. Even if you want to do this, involve our goddamn characters. And I know I'm swearing a lot for right now. But here's the thing. You have a character, John Winchester, who clearly is quick to fall in love, who is quick to commitment, 
who saw in Betty wanting to get married early because he never knew if he'd even come back from war, I'm assuming, and has quickly fallen for Mary. You have Mary, who doesn't know what if she'll be alive tomorrow because of her lifestyle and doesn't want to get anybody too close because, as Dean and all hunters know, it only ever ends in pain. Instead of having him try to involve himself in her life, try to date her, try to get together with her or show that he cares and her in traditional Winchester Dean fashion, keep him at arm's length and say, this can't work. Instead of having the conflict come from the clashing of personalities and viewpoints on love and relationships, let's throw you in have more useless him with actors. random yeah. woman and her with some guy. They're not even tend. And again, this is the a and B story. Aren't even, interwoven they're not connected uh, one and here's the, the kicker the writer that you guys for this episode was on the flash yeah. the very relationships yeah. you were just giving shit to the biggest mistake with a lot of writers that they make because it is hard to tell a story with a small amount of characters it is it takes a lot of effort a lot of foresight foreskin and many times, writers who don't have that type of level of expertise, what they find themselves doing is they throw in new faces yeah. to help move the story forward because they find it difficult to <laughs> use the established characters. And that's not my opinion. That is, that is a writing fact. And when you throw in other characters like Kyle and Betty, it just feels like they are stutter stepping to the finish line for reasons though that don't make sense because we're dealing with a massive cosmological level type of myth arc with the Akrita allegedly allegedly and then we're dealing with 13 episodes mm -hmm. and you're going to complicate a romantic relationship that we already know is going to happen uh, that's the thing so I think what it what it does to me as a supernatural fan is it almost feels to me like almost insulting to a point because we were sold on the fact that these two were destined to be, be together and they were destined to be together because they like Sam and Dean come from them. Mm -hmm. And I think to see, I'm not, I'm not expecting Mary and, and John to have not had previous relationship any real relationship has the, issues the thing is what i'm upset is that you're you're making this show called the winchesters about john and mary and at this point shouldn't we have seen love at first sight them falling in love with each other every single episode to a point where it's like oh this is why they end up together well, we didn't know the real story if you remember the concept oh, dean yeah. is going to be narrating the real story so, of mary and john think? that we never knew <laughs> right well, what do you, you guys remember that think? trailer yeah i do remember that trailer yeah. Here, here's the thing dude so I, mean, I love that you brought up that they add characters and i'm going to bring in two different real world examples real briefly the office that a lot of people love that Jim and Pam, they admit they have feelings for each other. Then they don't really know what to do with it. So then they bring in Karen from another fucking department. And that just extends their relationship for not getting together for a full season. Meanwhile on, I know you guys are going to laugh, but my favorite movie parts of the Caribbean, What you have Will and Elizabeth. They clearly have feelings for each other, but they don't involve another character coming into the middle of the two of them. They have the plot affects them. They have decisions they make that put them at odd ends. 
but they don't have some guy show up at the fucking boat, swagger on over, uh, and all of a sudden his name's Captain Jack Sparrow. He's not a romantic interest for her. Not in the first movie. <laughs> like that's where I think you're you're feeling not exactly betrayed, but misled a little bit, Ryan. Yes, it, it's, to your sentiment, you can't. And and this is one thing that I'm a little tired of is articles and stories from behind the scenes, variety, entertainment weekly, whatever it is with the showrunner saying, just trust us. It'll yeah. get better later. Uh, okay. Because there have been numerous shows falling into that. And before we didn't used to have that. The show just had to stand on its own, bring in the viewership and have us enthralled in the world. Not just trust that we'd be good little fans and show up next week. So I think for a Sam or for a Sam, a Mary and John show, we need a little bit more yeah. of them involved with each other's lives, not some yeah. random fucking people showing up. I feel like there should be a more of a mature level a, a mature of thing. handling He's the relationship. More. Yeah. Like for example, I have no problem with maybe playing a little bit with the whole aspect of, you know, unrequited love, you yeah. know, where maybe he's the one that's throwing himself in and she doesn't quite see it yet because she is distracted and she's busy or, or, doesn't, want to dad. Yeah. or doesn't want to open up to that risk. Yes, because maybe she doesn't want to fall for someone in the hunting life because he may end up dying. A perfect example of that type of relationship, maybe not unrequited, but um, a love that's complicated by their life choices and the life they live is in the very show Supernatural itself, which is the initial five seasons between Joe and Dean. Yeah. yeah. Which is the perfect Great way example. to handle whether I know those fans out there that refuse to accept that there was something going on, mm. but there was. Entire episodes were built something around this un this un pants. this unsaid love. That was a perfect way of handling yeah. a relationship. No one else surely. got involved. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I'm not going to get all upset about it yet because I'm going to see no, how they I'm handle it. No, I'm not upset. I just... Because I have a feeling they're going to do what they've already done with this type of thing. And, you know, Kyle and Betty are going to be demons that are purposely trying Ooh. to keep them. Keep Which them. Which was okay, Yellow okay. Eyes' Okay, now, if, if they do that... Sam, okay, if I they would do be okay that with that, but they got to be careful yes, how they, they do that because we've seen that type of... Yeah. Uh, like, whole story I'm, aspect before. I'm okay with that. If they do it in the fact that the demons know that they are destined to be together and they, they know that they lead to Sam. And if that's the case, if they do it that way, I will be hundred percent on board with that because now what it shows us is one, it, it, yeah. it it's destiny. And that is a, huge, a story reason. Yeah. Yes. And obviously it's not Chuck destiny. There's just forces destiny. against them. Yes. And I like that and I'm okay with that. But like you said, they've got to be very, very careful on how they flesh that out. Yeah. But if they do that, I'm on board with that. I would be super okay with that. Yeah. If that's the only way it would be okay. Yeah. Otherwise, yeah. we're turning Supernatural into a petty melodrama. Yeah. Which and, it's never and, been. Mm, it's had moments. <laughs> yes. But in a whole, if we put a percentage, right. it's never been that. Right. Yeah. Um, so the, the next thing, the next big thing in this episode is the Akrita has gotten a, a face, which I feel like they blew their load a little too early on that. Um, Mike, I'll get into, your type. How did you know? I dude, I, Red I know head Abaddon, um, like come Rowena. On, Rowena, her, come I, on. I love dude. evil women. Yeah. Yes, you do. 
the the punk rock gother, her, the, the punk rock gothic look. I got a little excited. I know the you witch did. witchy woman song kicks in in the background. I knew you were into <laughs> like, that. Of oh, course you were. The hair too. Look the at her TV photo. Yeah. Oh, she's got freckles. She's Irish. Oh no way. With, with red hair like that. Wait 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 wait. Hold on. Like does she have like is she from Ireland? I think so. Yeah. Oh fuck. It's Rowena's sister, guys. No, she's from San Diego. He's a fraud. Was, what a fraud. a fraud. I was hoping she'd have the accent, dude. Oh, Love me. all right. So the Akrita get a a person, a face in this, uh, which I'll get it. We'll, we'll talk about it first, but then I'll get into my feeling on that. They are doing, I, they didn't say it, but it seems to be for all intents and purposes. What else is it? That they are collecting souls from the monsters or maybe they're like but i thought monsters didn't have souls they're very no they do that's why they go to purgatory yeah remember that's, oh, that's what, right okay yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're, or their very essence maybe it looks pretty souls like clearly it was theirs it's grace either way the monster grace so stupid. Either way, it's. I mean, we, if that ends up being right, they, I'm gonna throw this pen at you. <laughs> well, that's you, how they take the uh, grace. Right. You from- got to be careful between harvesting souls and then harvesting grace and harvesting the essence. What is it? You can't. Yeah. You cannot fragment the lore in that way. He that's harvests, just so you hard. Sure? This she, isn't you the sure soul. About that, this is. You know, we already know in season six, Castiel and Crowley were harvesting <laughs> monster souls, but what we're doing is we're harvesting monster testicles. <laughs> we're harvesting <laughs> monster semen. Yeah, that's what it was. And that's monster mon- ovaries if they're female. Monster semen is is pink. I don't know if you've seen it, but like when when the the uh, boogeyman is that's when is that he jizzes, what's usually it's usually on pink. your lips. Is yeah, pink, yeah, yeah, yeah it's pink your chin. Yeah, yeah a little pinkness on your. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. All right, so it looks like they're harvesting souls or something to that effect, Jizz. which would. At least bring a tie into this show. He's all milking the prostate of oh, the zombie. Jesus. He's like, going, oh, I need a couple more, du- oh, a couple more knuckles. Oh, <laughs> thank you for that. I need a minute. <laughs> what a couple more knuckles. Or? We're just talking no, about maturity. Just, and then- uh, we're talking about, we're trying to have like an in-depth Look. discussion and we just prostate milked a zombie, I guess in this. Well, that Ryan played out to completion. So, wait a second. so if, it, well, I, 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 well, I'm not used to completion. So that's why I was confused. Jesus. The thing is, if you milk the zombie, no, by prostate, no, wouldn't no, it come out as no, dust? Jesus. Cause it's Christ. a zombie, right? All right. <laughs> Fuck. Comes I, out of boarded. Oh, Oh. <laughs> oh, all right. Wow. Not in some states. So in this, there's at least you a put t- that back in there. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> there's at least a tie to the original supernatural show. If it is in fact a monster soul with the end of season six, beginning of season seven, they Castiel absorbed the souls from purgatory. They were nuclear warheads, maybe not quite to the human level, but very, very powerful made him a God. This is an established canon, canon power dynamic ability. So no, let, me, let me ask to, to, to piggyback off that, Thomas, mm-hmm. let me ask you a question. Wouldn't it seem weird that season six, if they do go that route, mm-hmm. they use a canon from season six yeah. for something in this show, instead of using like something from like season one or two or three, Not that's closer. Smell. Well, that's closer timeline wise, timeline wise to where we're at. I would say yes and no. It kind of depends on your perspective. Monsters are well known by the Campbell family and the men of letters at this point. Demons 
not so much. Demons were rare, unlike the show wants us to think. They were very, very rare prior to the Hell's Gate in season two being opened up. And angels were thought to be completely fictional until season right, four and right. Castiel's return. So heaven and hell being well described, that needs to wait till Sam and Dean's storyline. Okay. Uh, so monsters I, okay. being I the focal point, I could buy that. Okay. I see what you're saying. Makes sense. And I think they did a good, this, this was a nice little bit of a lend a clue to something I think we'd all been considering, or if we hadn't talked on our Patreon already, the idea of where are these monsters coming from? These are like very odd country choices and that they bring to light that while supernatural monsters have always traditionally been American folklore, that was the building blocks for the show when it started. But now this here, much like in season six, uh, weekend at Bobby's where there's other monsters from other parts of the world are showing up in unexpected areas, different regions than where they're native to. And this being a clue to something greater, more nefarious going on behind the scenes. I do like that. We had the, which also we have a Colombian one ties to Carlos's heritage, perhaps because this one ties to Latika's heritage. Oh, I didn't pick that India. up. So the next so is the so there some the Akrita is either aware of or watching them to some degree. <laughs> the next one will be connected to Tales of the Hood. The Akrita they kn- <laughs> they How knew did you know where that's where I was going. They knew where the Latunda was killed to gather the soul. The Akrita was watching John burn the burlap sack. They're clearly being watched. By the Akrita. Yeah. So the monsters from different regions coming from different yeah. reflects the Scooby gang here. Don't use that, please. No, that's what they are until I don't, further notice. Don't fucking Reggie. There's potential. I like that because it means that there's more going on and more thought yeah. than just we picked a random thing because we ran out of American folklore. So mm-hmm. are we gonna get just hear me out? If they're gonna pick monsters from each background, mm-hmm. does that mean John's is gonna be the possessed truck? From Route 666 because he's like works on cars. Or it could be a Vietnamese one that followed him back. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) From the war. You run die. (laughs) You run die. I kill you. It's not Tropic Thunder. Vietnamese ghost. (laughs) No, but what if, I mean, that's where he. Farmer motherfucker. That's where, honestly, you know what I would bet it is? The ghost of his friend. Oh, okay, that's fair. Who looks like is, a white lady? Oh, that, I, think. I was hoping they would use like, that. Like Bobby, they, like a he has yeah. some memento of his that his Ooh. soul is bound to, and that'll be one of those you have to put down your friend kind nah, of thing. Man, I just kept I, my friend. I, well, yeah. Really fast, just so people don't think we're being racist. Tales of the Hood is a real thing. It is a thing. And yeah. It's actually a legit piece of pop culture. It's actually pretty thing. good. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you got to do those types of things nowadays. A little disclaimer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we I'm have not going to disclaim couple... the round eye comment because that's pretty accurate. Oh, Jesus. That's not racist towards Vietnamese. No, it's racist, it's racist towards, towards white people. I'm white. I'm sour cream white. White racism is okay. Sour yeah. cream white. I'm sour cream white. I can say that. Yeah. Cracker. Cracker. That's okay. Yeah. I get a pass for that. You get a pass? <laughs> yeah, everyone does. <laughs> oh, okay. No one cares. Yeah, not because it's white racism. It doesn't yeah. matter. Whitey don't matter. <laughs> so there, it, looks like there's, it looks like there's clues that the accretor are watching them. Now, I will say I feel like... Not only showing, I, I okay. Yeah. I don't, this is criticism for me. Oh boy! But it's one of those few things. More minutes. You so. you. Last time I brought stuff up in the Patreon that you're like you should have brought up in this one. Yeah. But I found the entire CB radio, pirate radio, and the reveal that it's the Akrita to be completely disjointed when it could have been a very succinct thing, because 
the CB radio, they we hear her talk about how her dad taught her to listen for words. That meant hunters right. were involved. If you want to introduce this character of Roxy, whatever her name is. Roxy. And she's on the pirate radio that Carlos and Ada are listening to. I feel like there was a missed opportunity for some sort of code or lore word to get thrown in there that we would have then had Roxy as a potential Bobby figure. When Latika and Ada don't know things, maybe Roxy's somebody that we could look at as another source for information. I thought Roxy's maybe, bad. Yes. Hold on, but that's the oh, thing. Oh. And then at the end of the season, if we brought her back pieces because she was helping us fight the Akrita, oh, okay. and we brought her these souls, and she's and like, I'm putting the season, And then the ultimate twist at the end what is she's the, she's the actual one M. who Night we've been ding -dong. working with. I am the Akrita. <laughs> like that's the reveal. <laughs> Just like crab people kind of thing. What forms? What the Arms twist? comes out of her boobs. I feel like. M. Night Shyamalan. I feel like that would have been at least some interesting mystery played into it. Okay, fair. Because the whole aspect of season one of Supernatural is that we're hunting yellow eyes. We're hunting the Akrita. We know there's a person, but they immediately show us who that person is. They don't leave us any time to build up to this. There's only 13 episodes. There's no shock. I'm not saying you need an M. Night Shyamalan twist, but just something to give us a little bit more time to wonder who this person is going to be. The reveal is, the reveal is, is very anticlimactic. And I'm like, oh, the random person I don't know. Reveal. They even did the reveal with the camera, like where it's like we're supposed to know who she is. Right. Like, I, okay. I'm like, who I don't, are you? I don't get what this you're trying to do. This moment means nothing to me. Maybe, maybe when. And I thought also about when when we watched the in season one of Supernatural, Missouri Mosley talking to herself, and then it turns out John's in the room. Like we have opportunities oh, for those kind of moments once again, or when John is telling him, "You got to shoot me." And he realizes Yellow Eyes Demon is in John Winchester in the finale. We have moments like this that we could build Very to. Erotic. And instead, we just <laughs> we just get him. there. We just show you who it is. Yeah. It's redheaded woman you've never met. <gasps> yeah. All right. Well, maybe the true is reveal is... that just me is, being an asshole? No. no yeah, I mean, you, you're right. It's, it's you're a legitimate absolutely thing. right. The, the, but maybe I don't the think real, it ruins the episode. It, it just, doesn't no. ruin the it's episode. Just, it just feels like, very, Oh, why didn't we do more with this? It just feels very anticlimactic. Yeah. Yeah. I, maybe the real reveal is when she sheds her skin and you get to see the real Akrita. It's something like out of Men in Black. She yeah. just like pulls it back. That actually, I should be awesome. That'd be cool. Because Supernatural has done a few things as well with that with reveals that don't really mean anything. Yeah. But there's an epicness to it. Right. For example, Rowena's very first appearance. At yes. The, at the end of mm -hmm. I was season ten. Ten. I want to say ten. Where we just see this guy on the roof. A that demon, was cool. I believe, and he's he's pasted to the roof obviously in pain and then the camera pans down and you just see rowena there sitting she is there sexy that's a good reveal because that's not anticlimactic we may not know who, who she, she is, is but the fact that they introduced her in such a epic mysterious way. epic scary way intimidating it, way. it made us want to know more with this it was like okay now it's time to show who this person is and there was really nothing there except and we, all it was, we saw her do what she already had done and the akrita played fetch it, it felt like a dog. Kind yeah, of it brought like a her a piece. Well, maybe of... there are different types of Akrita. You know, because because it's kind of like an insectoid. Insect maybe oh, there's hive mind or something. Maybe there's different hierarchies. She's the queen. Just like with ants. Queen yeah. of blades. Maybe she's the queen. Yeah, she's the queen of blades. Uh, I will say. I will say this. The the whatever the hell you want to call that. The the, the, the zerg. The, yeah, it looked cool. 
Like it, it looked cool and it actually looked good. Like I, I was really kind of worried when they kind of showed, cause you see them, the, some of the shots we've seen of them is them scuttling around mm -hmm. and stuff. They're not close-ups. The, the, this the was, texture is a little off for yeah. me. The feet by the feet for sure. But yeah. I definitely felt like it looked okay. It didn't, like it didn't look, look bad. It didn't look bad. The, I think it would have, the scene would have, it would have been, it would have been better. The visual effects would have looked better if the exposure, the overall exposure was dropped yeah. a couple stops yeah. so that the lack of texture and depth didn't. It sticks out to me. Yeah. It doesn't really feel like it belongs in the scene because if you lower the, the exposure a couple stops and then you slap a, a fucking great color grade on that, then suddenly you have a little more depth there, more texture, and it feels more natural or it looks more natural. Um, but other than that, I agree. It, it didn't look horrible. I think the, the, the design, design is was cool. cool. Yeah. The design is the design cool. is cool. I didn't quite it didn't quite work for me in that scene. I feel like we saw too much. I would have loved to see more of a prosthetic or or practical because they've yeah, done decent they, with the practical effects. In well, this look at the monster so in the first episode and this episode. Thing that came to mind because I feel like that when you don't have the budget to do visual effects perfectly, especially in this day and age where you have streaming services that are mm -hmm. just pumping out amazing visual effects scenes. Even shows that have shitty writing have great visual yeah. effects for the most part. You probably should have gone with the practical side because look, look what they did with the Banshee yeah. and Supernatural. Oh, to yeah. this day, it's one of my favorite Chilling. looking monsters because it was a combination. It wasn't just practical. They used CGI to sweeten the overall appearance of the right. Banshee. Now, if they would have had like this person in a suit that would walk on four legs. Yeah. And then they sweetened with it with visual effects. They could really, I think the scene would have been way more of a yeah. selling point. Yeah. Yeah. That would have been, God, the Banshee's still fucking creepy looking. So dude. we have two minutes for right, your yeah. last bit. Though that was, that was mine. So let's get into some other criticisms. Um, I don't like Dean's narration. Really? Like <laughs> I, think, I, I agree. Okay. So this is my only real criticism of the episode and maybe of all three episodes. Dean Winchester's narration doesn't quite make sense. Mm -hmm. Not only is it not what they said it was going to be, which I quote, narration was to be instrumental in fleshing out the truth behind the real story of Mary and John, but it doesn't really connect to the episode, maybe loosely, and even more to the point, it doesn't quite make sense, meaning it doesn't make sense. It's just words. It's just words, yeah. Yeah. So I have the narration here. Am I wrong by saying that it's just words? No, no you're not just... wrong. No, it, it really is just words. I, well, that was the thing is like, we talked about this on the phone before this. I watched this episode and I sat down and I went and got the transcription of it. And it just, not only are they not clues or foreshadowing even to the episode, sometimes they contradict themselves. He says in this episode, there's no map to being a hunter, no playbook. You got to follow your gut. And then later he's, he says, you need other people to help guide your way, your friends, your family. Otherwise you end up lost. Yeah. So is there a guide? Yeah. Is there rules <laughs> or are there no rules? There's no rules. So, and what does that have to do with her going with, nobody goes with their gut. They go with the logic in this one of you have to let go of your past. You know, when you're in high school and you have a word limit for an essay, you have to write yes. and you just paste together <laughs> just a bunch of words. Thing. That's what the narration feels like. It's Therefore, just a bunch of words that doesn't really connect to any. Every now and then I have coffee with my pie. I traditionally put sugar in it, but not too much because the pie has a lot of sugar in it already. Yeah. 
<laughs> what the fuck does that have to do with anything, Dean? I have nothing against <laughs> abstract narration. No. But you have to use it has something. To mean you have something. to have some type of reifying word that grounds your it, overall abstract idea to a point. And there look, isn't. All, all he would have had to say is like something about letting go. Yeah. Why is it and that's nothing it. That's, to do that's with that? That's literally what the episode's about. And all he has to do is say a sentence about letting go or two sentences. When I first started doing this hunt, I thought I knew my parents' background and I thought I know who they were. But I realize as I've learned more, I have to let go of my previous connections or previous conceptions of who they were as people because they had to be their own people, okay, not the now, ones I knew they now were. Now say that in Dean voice. Now that's a first draft there, which that's is, draft, I just said yeah, that. good job. See, that's, that's more relevant. I don't understand the narration of this. Now it's very strange. Voice, I, like, All right, we need to move on now. <laughs> we need to close out let's, the show. Let's get to our, we got more to talk about in the second hour here, but let's let's get into final thoughts. Final thoughts, yeah. Mike, what are your final thoughts? We'll start with you today. Okay, I actually have some here. Oh my God, you have some for a change. Yeah. <gasps> so the problem with a series that has an ensemble cast is that if you don't have a good grasp on the overall craft of narrative, you tend to undermine key players. And we talked about this a bit throughout our discussion, but just to drive home the point, you undermine key players or sometimes just have people do things that don't make a whole lot of sense. For example, I challenge everyone to go back and watch the opening eight minutes or so of the episode, and you will notice that John and Mary are completely unable to draw any conclusions think for themselves, and or make a decision that seems obvious in nature. And the reason for that is that they need the other characters to do something. When I say the, they, I mean the writers. They need the other characters to do something, so they use them to explain elementary strategy and concepts that are, at the very least, Mary should understand. Mm -hmm. It's forced exposition. There's it a lot of that. It felt like the Supernatural episode from season two, Hollywood Babylon, that parodied and poked fun of terribly written horror films. If you remember when yeah, the, the group yeah. of actors were like, so if I use this phone, <laughs> I can see the ghosts. That's how they explain <laughs> things in this episode. It feels like Hollywood Babylon. So if we use the like, CB radio. You know how Cricky was talk. making fun of shoddy exposition? Yeah. Like literally, he said that in the episode through another actor. <laughs> making fun of shoddy exposition. And now we're we watching an episode of Supernatural that feels like the episode so, they, were, you, they were making fun of that type of writing. So here's the thing. I want, I need to read this out loud. I'll be quick because it was about the exposition, which is a point on mine. This was literally Carlos and Mary's interaction. Just drove by your place and cop cars everywhere at your neighbor's house. Locked, uh, looked like an episode of Dragnet. You're close with them, right? Yeah. Their dad's out of the picture and their mom's a long haul trucker. So I keep an eye on the kids whenever I can. Wouldn't it just be, there's a lot of cops at your house, it's just oh, shit. a lot they of leave. talking for no reason. And then they get there, and then they find out who the kids were. And we sh through their interaction, we learn about these things. There's none of that. It's just talking to us. Yeah, it's just a lot of talking for talking's sake. There was another scene where Carlos and Ada trapped the demon in the van. <sighs> yeah. And Carlos says, and I quote, whoa, how did you know I had a demon trap in there? It's well, she's been traveling with you and hunting with you for at least several years. So I would think at some point she would see, though in daylight, not hidden dude, at all. Tapestry. Not, not just, not just 
literally one episode ago, she said she spent six <laughs> hours in the back of that van. In that episode. Yeah. It's not even hidden. Bobby at least hid his under rugs. I mean, obviously, it was the writer's attempt to let the audience know about the demon trap because, as you said, Thomas, they also have to account for the fact that there's going to be new listeners or new viewers who don't really understand the world of Supernatural. But there's a way to do it. Here's one. I know my mom, who's a child in the 70s, loved the -the glow-in-the-dark neon light stuff because that was new technology at the time. Why not have him fuck around with that two episodes ago? And then flick on a light, and there's a neon paint UV light devil trap on the roof that no one would see. So, just a contrast. That took two minutes of thought. And then I'll wrap up my final thoughts here. But just to contrast the writing problems with Supernatural's last few seasons for all of our old school listeners. See, the problem with the, I don't know, last two and a half seasons, it was never the the writing and the individual episodes. It was Correct. the overall leadership. Andrew Dabb is a terrible showrunner who didn't really have leadership skills, but the writing staff knew how to write and they made the best out of shitty leadership. The episodes were good. They just had nowhere to go. That's why 60% of the writers are now showrunners on their own show. And Andrew Dabb has been fired from three. <laughs> Because the writers were strong. Now, what we have here is a decent concept. Robbie Thompson is a decent leader, as at least his, based on what we saw of his work on uh, in, the past. in the past. But here we have writers that probably shouldn't be writing episodes yet. I mean, no offense or take offense, Carlos. I don't give a fuck. <laughs> uh, Ga- no, Gabriel Alejandro Garza. I mean, the guy wrote Nickelodeon cartoons 90% of his career. And then worked on The Flash, which is known to be one of the worst written TV shows ever. (laughs) And you're giving him an episode of The Winchesters to write. (laughs) You go from having David Nutter writing the first, I think, four episodes of the first season of Supernatural. And directed by Kim Manners to Mm -hmm. having a bunch of no-name people writing and directing a show and then we wonder why there's no the, there's not the attention to quality is because you guys are using people who are inexperienced and I'm hoping they can find their legs before the end I do hope it because is that it's, and I don't want to sound like I'm I think it's horrible but there are some pretty glaring writing issues and not just when it comes to format but just as I just said exposition it holy just, shit it feels it's it, unnatural the way these people are talking it feels very much like a first draft and this is something we've talked about a lot that it feels like okay you got the core idea for the episode down did you go back and polish that no they they got no it. they just started shooting they got it shiny and were like that's good enough yeah all right so, so thought 71 percent 71 all right Ryan what about you um This episode is night and day better than the last episode. I will say that. I'm going to throw that out there. I still, I just don't like Carlos, man. Mm -hmm. And and I think it's one of those things, like, I don't want people to think it's, it's, you know, because I'm whatever. I don't, I just do not like this character. And I think this character is put in place literally just to be there. And I think that's the present the the thing I have. It's for representation purposes, and that and then that's it. And and look, I'm all for representation, but you guys have to understand that this show takes place in 1970. Okay, and the point is, is this character is being played by someone who's from 2022, playing the character like they are in 2022, not 1970. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the problem I have with it. 
Uh, Tika's just there. Ada is sort of j- there. Like, I just, I just don't, I, I don't have a connection with these characters yet. And I think three episodes in, they're expecting us to have a connection. So that, like, the, the background characters, I just don't, um, they're I, not gelling, they're not gelling for me yet. Um, mm. I, uh, Mary's still great. I think she's fantastic. The monster looked fantastic in this episode. Uh, the boogeyman or whatever the hell yeah. you want to call it. The Baba Yaga or whatever the hell they called it um, looked fantastic. The scene where he crawls up on the wall looked fucking fantastic. Thought that was super cool. Um, John is still a little too kind of wussy for me, but I think that's going to get better. I just, I still don't see a character that went to Vietnam. Right. I see a character I, I that, that like, either yet. Like said he went to Vietnam, but actually was at the Waffle House eating waffles. He's basically me if I was a hunter. Yeah. Yeah. He's soft, inexperienced <laughs> yeah. in life. Yeah. No Doesn't love, know how to no make the move on the girl. Love. Yeah. Yeah, it's you. Dainty as fuck. Just not Mexican. Yeah. Makes sense. Um, <laughs> but there were there were some cool aspects of this episode. I I will say this. The little girl and the little boy actors, fantastic. Uh, oh, yeah. They were good, actually. Fucking I was awesome. going to mention that. Yeah, the, the little boy was fantastic, and the little girl was fantastic. They were fantastic. Love that. The set design of the inside of the lair, the, the lair the labyrinth. was fucking cool. Thought that was really, really cool looking. Um, I didn't have so much of problems with the uh, the demon aspect of it, like, you know, throwing him in the van and everything. I mean, I thought it was cheesy, but I was like, okay, I know what they're doing here. Um, the little spell that Ada does to turn him into a tree. Fern Gully. That was pretty, this is pretty gangster. You know, we didn't, yeah, we didn't mention that. That was actually interesting. It's pretty that's cool. new lore. Yes, it's I, new. I, 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 but I thought it was kind of cool. I liked it because in, in, in demonic lore. That's a thing. Demons do possess objects. Yes. So it was actually something that was, we've never seen that in Supernatural I, I before. I just couldn't not think Fern Gully. Demon in a tree. Like, that's just where I, mean, I yes, was. Yes, I get that. But, I mean, Firm Gully is not that good. But, anyways. Um, oh, it's, it's not that good. Um, Tim it's Curry, good, but man. It's, it's not Tim that, fucking Curry. Not that good. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely night and day Fuck better you. than. <laughs> <laughs> uh, damn, I didn't know Fern you were. Firm Gully 2 sucked, but. Well, yeah. The, uh, the two of everything sucked. Think about Terminator. all. Well, Disney movies. Sorry. My bad. Uh, Toy Story. Anyway. Toy Story still What's your final rating? We're running out of time. 70. 70. All right. Uh, I gave it a 70 as well. For me, I think this episode is a lot better than the previous one. It has a lot of potential, but I had some things that just the plot and some of the elements of what our characters do still feel very distant, very disjointed. Not a lot of a myth arc tying it all together other than they mention Akrita and we see them kind of have their own mini webisode in the last two minutes of every episode. Uh, I do feel like there's a mistake by putting so much, so many little elements that they just assume we know. For example, Sam and Dean used to have to break into homes, pretend to be government agents, flat out lie to get into crime scenes where Mary and John just are in the house breaking through tape and and no one ever worries or there's no questions asked about that. Little things like that, that I feel like we're being taken for granted. The exposition is, is problematic, but I think like Mike said earlier, the writers of the previous show were strong, but there was no overall direction for the show. I feel like this has some cool ideas. I see the potential but we with these, these scripts, these stories need to be a little bit, 
more thought through, or I need to start seeing some in-world reasons as to why so much lore and other elements that are just cast to the wind are the way they are. As, as a fan for me, I'm, I've given you almost 25% of the run of your show and no effort's been made in that respect yet. Uh, I like Latika's parents aren't quite dead. That's maybe. A, a little twisty. I like seeing a little bit more about them. I'm surprised at how little we've gotten. So I have potential for it, but it's still got a little bit of a ways to go. Not quite up to what that first episode presented as an opportunity. So for me, it's a 70. So for us, that's going to do it here for this episode of Supernatural, The Crossroads, the Winchester's edition. We're going to continue this discussion on a few other key points that I want to touch on or just ask the room's feelings on a few things and general theories and stuff like that in our second hour. If you're interested in hearing that, head on over to patreon.com slash Digital and pledge, and you can get access to that and so much more content. It's It's a lot. We put a lot of stuff up on there. So... Thank you all for listening. That's going to do it for this review, and we'll see you all next time. You little maggot. You are no longer a part of this story. Hey, ass butt.